Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we begin a brand new series, Unseen. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Wow, I like it. Very good. Um, I'll tell you what, um, I just want to pause and let you know, I am so proud of what's happening with Ted and Pat and Grant and the whole team at Downers Grove. Um, that's just, just remarkable. And if any of you need, to, need permission, you just need to know that if you're thinking about being a part of the Downers Grove launch team, going over there and helping them launch, you have our blessing. See, see this is what churches are meant to do. Churches were never meant to be just institutions, but to be movements. Movements that are constantly spreading the love of God. And so we're on the move. And in case you didn't know it, not only is it happening at Downers Grove, but just kind of as let you know too, just this week through our new thing network that's planting churches, we help plant churches. Just this week, we're starting a church in Sydney, Australia. We're doing stuff in Albania. Some of you probably couldn't even find Albania on a map. I'd have to go hunt for it somewhere, right? Albania, San Salvador, El Salvador, and also in the Philippines, just this week. So good job, all right, community. Good, good, good stuff. And I'll tell you what, I got a, some other exciting news too. You need to know this. A little closer to home, we got, I got a text this morning at 6.30 in the morning. And um, our community pastor here, Ian and Katie, his wife, Katie Simpkins, had a brand new baby boy. How about that? Uh, it was a little bit early, but everybody's doing great. Uh, came in at five, little guy, five pounds, two ounces, and 18 inches. So, uh, you know, he's already got news out there on Facebook, so you can thank him and congratulate him or whatever it is. And his wife, of course, more so his wife. Don't want to make a mistake there. More so his wife. More so his wife. Um, but that's, that's exciting stuff. Here's, here's what I want to start this morning. Um, I'll tell you what. Let me ask you the question. Do you believe in angels? I'll tell you, just do this. Give me, you can give me. Yeah. No. Well, maybe. Turn, turn to someone near you. Angels. Yeah. No. Maybe. Turn to someone near you. Yeah. No. Maybe. Angels. What do you think? Huh? I'll tell you what, every, every once in a while, you, you come across these stories about angels. I ran across one on, it was actually a, a WGN News had it, and, and, and then on their website, they had this, they titled this way, Driver says angel was with him as drive shaft came flying through the windshield. And if you didn't catch the story, a guy named Steve Montgomery is cruising along the highway when he sees a tow truck in front of him who runs over this pipe in the middle of the road, and suddenly this, this, this pipe becomes like this projectile that's flying through the air like a spear and it goes right into his windshield on the driver's side. I mean, just kind of as a reflex, he's driving, right, this pickup. He ducks and it misses him. But now this drive shaft is through the windshield. He's ducked down like this. He can't sit up, he can't see. But somehow his pickup truck gets pulled over to the side of the road, comes to a halt, Without an accident. He, took, he got out and he took a picture. Here's the picture of the drive shaft that went through his windshield, right? Pretty crazy. Is this guy lucky to be alive? Or he took this photograph and then he said he noticed something and uh, he noticed something and he'll highlight it here that's white, it's V, it's the top of the corner. And uh, he said this, he said, I think an angel was driving the truck. When I ducked down and I couldn't see the highway, somebody else was steering the driving wheel. What do you think? Do you believe in angels? 
Uh, we decided to ask people on the street in Chicago, we asked them that question, we said, hey, do you believe in angels? And here's what they told us. Yeah, I guess so. The angels protect me. There is no proof. No, I don't want to answer. No. Yes. No. Angels' purpose are the peaceful, they keep everything at peace. Probably to grant me some good luck and, you know, times that I need or someone else needs. Yes. I think angels are birds. I think they exist, but I've never seen one. To look out for you. I don't know. I got no idea. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Help people on Earth. They keep you safe. I think they stand by you and they, uh, just kind of watch over you. Like a guardian angel. Like to protect. Like on your shoulder. <laughs> never thought much about it. Sometimes if you feel like that someone is looking after you, like that could be an angel, yeah? Or sometimes my wife is considered my angel. They obey whatever gods tell them. I never seen them, and no one can see the angels, but, they, but God send the angels sometimes to protect people. Their protection, their relay messages sometimes, like if God is telling you to do something, sometimes he like sends an angel and like, yo, you're supposed to be doing this thing right now. <laughs> All right, uh, today we're starting a brand new series, and this series is called Unseen. And I'll tell you what, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting and most fascinating series that we have done in a long, long time because it's all about us together exploring the unseen realm, the unseen realm of the supernatural because, of course, there's the seen, right? There's the seen, what we have around us, those things we, we, we can see or we can touch or we can taste or we can hear or we can smell, right? But that's not the only reality around us. During this series, I want to dare you, dare you to open your eyes to the possibility maybe in a greater way than ever before, of the unseen world. Those things that actually do exist, but maybe you don't see or, or touch or smell or hear or taste. My experience, my experience has been that people, um, people don't talk a lot about the supernatural and the unseen realm. But on the other hand, their belief in it, particularly in America, is quite prevalent. Gallup in 2016 did a poll and they just asked the question, said, do you believe in angels? Here's what came back. 12% said this, kind of, if you were, they did, eh, I don't know. 16% said, no, I don't believe in angels. But a whopping 72% gave it a thumbs up and said, yeah, I believe in angels. So if you, did, if you kind of did that, you're, you're, in, you're in good company. But I think it kind of pushes the question to us then if angels, the belief in angels is so prevalent, why don't we talk about it? Why do we kind of, kind of seem to keep it under wraps? And don't really want to go there. Well, there's a New Testament professor and, uh, and, and legitimate, um, really, uh, scholar uh, by the name of, and I'm not making this up, Andy Angel. <laughs> I just report the news, okay? And here's what he says about this topic. He says, belief in God is generally socially acceptable. That's socially acceptable to say I believe in God. But even among religious people, there can be something of an embarrassment surrounding the subject of angels. And what he's saying is that when it comes to talking about the unseen realm and angels in particular, it just, it, we get a little uncomfortable. We kind of worry that maybe people are going to think we're spiritual wackos if, if we, if we kind of go there. And so on the one hand, we, we, we say we believe it, but we don't really talk about it. And I think by not talking about it, but still believing it, we can kind of give intellectual assent and say, yeah, I do, I do. But if I don't talk about it, then I don't have to deal with it in real life or even interact about it. And, and it kind of, I, keep it, I keep it at arm's distance because it just, I don't know, I'm, comf I'm uncomfortable with it. But do you believe in angels? Have you ever had an encounter? Uh, let, me, let me tell you um, 
my story. Uh, before before we uh, we ever started Community Christian Church, I, I, I did uh, I was a student pastor. I worked with junior and high school students, and actually the church I grew up in in the south suburbs called Deer Creek Christian Church. And um, it was one summer I took a whole bunch of high school students uh, to a conference in Cincinnati, and we had a very very small budget. So we, we couldn't afford, you know, like, you know, like the night, you guys, like when our, we take like a thousand kids and they all go to blast, they get on these really nice buses. You've seen them lined out there, right? Cushioned seats. You got bathrooms in the back, TVs there, air conditioning, all that kind of nice stuff. We couldn't afford any of that. Not only that, we really couldn't even afford a minivan. In fact, I actually had, I went and rented a station wagon from Ugly Duckling Rent-A-Car. Anybody remember that one? It's actually, there is actually such a place, Ugly Duckling Rent-A-Car. I can't believe parents actually trusted me with their kids in a station wagon from Ugly Duckling Rent-A-Car, but I guess they did. Maybe they didn't know. I don't know. But imagine a 21-year-old version of me, a 21-year-old version of me driving an Ugly Duckling, station, Ugly Duckling Rent-A-Car station wagon packed with high school students. Um, I think we were coming back at this point from Cincinnati. We were north of Indianapolis uh, on I-65, and all of a sudden, smoke just comes billowing out from underneath the hood. The car's overheating. So I pull over, I jump out, get in the front, pop the hood up to pretend that I know what I'm doing because <laughs> I have no idea what's underneath the hood. Right, Bryce? I know, no clue. Okay, there we go. I've got to verify. No clue. And so I'm pretending like I know what I'm going to do. And this kid who's in my student ministry, and his, actually, his name was Bryce. I'm actually pointing at a buddy of my name, Bryce. His name was Bryce. I don't know what overcame him, but he came over there. I guess he thought he was going to help me. He grabs the radiator cap and he opens it. And I mean, and it went spewing everywhere. I don't know how. I don't know how. He didn't get hurt. I didn't get hurt. Nobody got hurt. But now, at this point, now I'm kind of freaking out, right? I'm freaking out because here I am on the side of the highway with, you know, with, a, with, a, with a car full of high school students. You know, the truck's flying by. I got a bunch of students I'm responsible for, and I'm, I'm going kind of like, okay, do I leave them and go to get help, or do I take them all with me to go and help? And if I do leave, and we, or we leave together, where do we even go? Because we're here in the middle of I-65, in the middle of kind of nowhere. So in the middle of this freak out, I see this person, no vehicle, seemingly out of nowhere, walking down the median between I-65 north and south, holding a large can of water. Comes up to my car, and I don't remember what, what this person said or didn't say. I, I assume they said something, but I don't even recall what it was. They put the water in my car as, as kind of a temporary solution for coolant, and then they walk off. Very, very, very weird. Are you with me? Do you believe in Angels. Well, a guy named Elisha from the Old Testament does, and his story is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. Let me set the context for you. The king of Aram, okay, was at war with the king of Israel. And every time the king of Aram decides to make a move, it's like the Israelites outsmart him. Every time that the king of Aram plans an attack at one place, it's like the Israelites were able to, to know ahead of time and, and they escape his arrival. He, Aram's the king there, he sets a trap and the Israelites avoid it. And this happens over and over and over and over again. And he can't figure out what's going on. Finally, the king of Aram, he's he's enraged. He he assumes that somebody on the inside, part of his inner court, must be sharing secrets. They're they're leaking information. Well, then one of the officers explains to the king of Aram. He says, no, that's not the problem. And he explains it here in 2 Kings chapter 6. He said, the problem is Elisha, the prophet. 
And he says, this prophet is able to tell their army everything you say. He even knows the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. All right, now that's a significant advantage. So Aram, he's king of Aram. He decides, okay, you know what? I'm going to eliminate Elisha. I'm going to kill this guy off. So he sends horses, horses and chariots, his army. He sends his army to Elisha's hometown to have Elisha killed. It's early the next morning. Elisha's servant gets up, heads outside to do some chores. But then when he looks to the hills, he sees Aram's army completely surrounding um, Elisha's home there. He runs back inside, and here's, here's, here's what he says as we continue the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. He says, the servant says this, oh no, my Lord, what do we do? This is what the servant is saying. And then Elijah speaks up, and he says, don't be afraid. And then he adds this, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Let me pause just for a second. Kind of foreshadowing where we're headed. I think perhaps God brought some of you here today. Maybe it was just to hear that. Whatever's going on in your life, that you just need to know that what God's speaking to you, say, hey, listen, hey, those that are with us, with you and God, are more than those that are with them. And here, look, look what happens next. And so then Elisha does this. He prays for his servant. And here's, here's the prayer that he prays for his servant. He says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and when he saw in the hills, he saw the hills full of horses and full of chariots of fire, angels surrounding him. What happened? God had sent an army and angels and chariots of fire to Elijah's rescue. Does God still do that today? Or maybe it's just us. Maybe we've never dared to pray that prayer. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want, I want to kind of push the pause button on, on the Elisha story for just a second. And I want us to ask four very important questions about angels, okay? I want to ask the question of like, where do they come from? Who are they? Who aren't they? And then kind of wrap it with what do they do? So just let's, let's at least we'll be able to get a kind of beginner's kind of understanding about this angels, and I'll give you some, some suggestions if you want to explore this topic some more. So first of all, where do angels come from? If we go all the way back to the very first chapter, the very first verse in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, 1, we read it says, God created the, what is it, the what? The, and the, the heavens and the earth. It's interesting, He's a, it's, it's very, he makes this distinction, these, these, these two different things he created, the heavens and the earth. The heavens, of course, are those things that are, unseen, those things that are invisible. He created that, but then he also created the earth, those things that are seen, and those things that are visible. In, in his book, the, the Hum of Angels, Scott McKnight, he, he writes this, and he says, he says, the Bible's cosmology, and cosmology is just the, the study, uh, the study of the beginning of the universe. So the Bible's understanding the study of the beginning of the universe is this, that God created the earth and the heavens, two distinctions, or a distinction, and he populated the earth with what we would call visible earthly creatures, humans included. But then he also made the heavens and populated the heavens with what are to us invisible heavenly creatures. Now, most of those creatures, okay, that he created in the unseen realm, they would be good and we call them angels. But there are some of the creatures that are not so good, that are evil, that we would refer to as demons, 
And, and if, if you're kind of digging this topic this week, come back next week because we're going to talk about that. Very, very, very fascinating stuff. But for our time today, I want us to focus on what Elijah and his servants saw, and that was these angels in the, from the unseen realm. Okay, so we know, um, we, know that we know the first thing. The first thing was this question of where do they come from? Now we have to ask the second question is this. And the second question is who are they? The word angel, both in the Old Testament, which is in the Hebrew, and in the New Testament, which is in the Koine Greek, if we, if we actually just translate it literally, it, angel just means messenger. The simplest definition for angel is just messenger. They are being sent from the unseen realm to the seen realm as messengers of God to fulfill God's purpose. They don't act on their accord. They only do God's work. And if we look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it explains that, therefore, angels are only servants. Servants of who? Servants of God. Spirits sent by God to care for people who, in, who will inherit salvation. And so angels are messengers sent by God. But what's fascinating is we see these all throughout the Bible. Anybody got a guess how many, how many times we see angels mentioned in the Bible? Anybody got a guess? No guesses. Nobody's playing. <laughs> Somebody was here first service. You're absolutely right. Over 200. Nicely done. Thank you very much. Over 200 times. Over 200 times in the Bible... Um, the angels are mentioned. It's over and over and over and over again. And so that kind of leads us to this third question. Then I think the third question, important question, then who are they? Who are they? Um, who are these? these uh, I'm sorry, the third question is who aren't they? Who aren't they? Um, well, first of all, they aren't, um, this might be helpful, they aren't little plump little babies who play harps. Okay, that might be helpful. They, um, and there's also no conclusive research to verify the claim, at least Clarence's claim, that every time you hear a bell, an angel gets its wings. That's not true. And I'm also sorry to report, Cub fans, there are no angels in the outfield. <laughs> or your infield, or certainly in your bullpen. Um, <laughs> you know what? As a White Sox fan, I got nothing to say. We were so bad this year, so, so bad. At least you made it to the you know, championship series three years in a row, so nicely done. Um, let's go back to this. Angels, though. So many, there's so many misconceptions about angels. Let me hit a few of them. A lot of people have been told that when someone goes to heaven, they become a... No, they don't become an angel. Scripture says nothing about that. Angels are their own distinct being. And so angels aren't people, but angels aren't God either. They are supernatural, but they're not divine. They shouldn't be discounted, but they're not to be worshipped. They play a very important role in the unseen realm, which leads us to this last question. And I think this is a really important question. Okay, what do angels do? What do they do? And I'll tell you what, when you've got 200 different instances plus of angels throughout the Bible. We're not going to hit all of them, but let me, let me just give you a few things um, that highlight some of the functions that angels fulfill. One, and we see this in Luke chapter one, angels announce news. Whether it's the good news of the birth of Jesus, like we see here, or the telling the woman at, at Jesus' tomb, okay, at the end of Jesus' life, the end of the gospel, that Jesus had came back to life, they announced that. Or if we go all the way to the end of the New Testament, Revelations, where they, they reveal a glimpse of the future, what heaven's going to look like to the Apostle John. Angels, what they do is they announce news. Here's the second thing they do, and we see this in Acts 27. They bring comfort and encouragement. Like for here, when Paul was shipwrecked, an angel shows up and says, listen, hey, everybody's going to survive. Everybody's going to be okay. They bring reassurance and they strengthen someone who's struggling or in a time of crisis. Or as we see here in Acts 12, here's a third function. Angels sometimes come and actually rescue and bring deliverance. Um, like Peter, when Peter was in prison, an angel shows up and rescues him and sets him free. 
Or like when Daniel was in the lion's den, an angel shows up and protects him. So it's entirely possible that perhaps an angel could show up to a goofy youth pastor who rented an ugly duckling and rent a car station wagon. <laughs> what else do angels do? If we look at Luke chapter 8, it, we see here that angels actually direct people on mission. Philip, here's an example of Philip. He gave him very specific instructions on where to go next so he could align what he was doing with what God wanted done. And th- those are just a few of the things that God, uh, how God uses uh, his messengers, angels. So the question is, do you believe in angels? Have you ever had an encounter with an angel? Well, we got to talking about this in our teaching team. And uh, one of the stories, and I asked her if she would share it, came from Sherry Binky. Sherry's on our, our friend of mine, but also on, this, on, this, on the team here at the Yellow Box. And I'm going to ask Sherry to come up here. Let's, let's welcome Sherry. And uh, this is uh, Sherry's story. Thanks, Dave. Um, this was a few years ago. Uh, this is when my boys were about 18 months uh, on the hip, and the other one was four. <laughs> and if you can imagine that season in your life, I was kind of short on patience and energy. And, um, and it was a day, probably not much different than today or any October day, and I was at the grocery store with my kids shopping. And um, when I got to the checkout stand, I had uh, purchased something um, that required my ID. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> See, they know. They know. I bought more than just one thing, but I needed my ID. And so um, I looked at the rain, looked at my boys, looked at the clerk. And uh, so I took a deep breath, grabbed my boys, went outside in the rain, got my ID, came back in, stood in the line and checked out. And uh, I was grumbling internally. I was not happy about this situation, but, but I, as I was walking to the car, I just began to pray and ask God to give me self-control, <laughs> kindness, patience. And uh, so I got my groceries, went back to the car, buckled my kids in because it was raining and returned to the backside of my car to begin uh, loading my groceries in. And uh, a little old lady came around the corner to help me unload my groceries, which um, is just odd that an old lady would help me unload my groceries into my car. But um, as she was helping me load them in, um, she looked me directly in the eye. And it actually puts a lump in my throat when I think about it right now. But she looked me directly in the eye. And she said, you are a wonderful mother. You took your two boys. You didn't leave them unattended. You came out in this rain. You came back and waited in that line. And not once did you raise your voice. You're a fantastic mom. And I felt like she just spoke to the prayer that, that was deepest in my heart, my deepest fears. Um, like God answered me directly with her words. And uh, it affected me profoundly. Um, I don't know if she's an angel, but she definitely felt like a messenger from God that day. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Sherry. So what do you think? Here's the thing, keep this in mind. The Bible reminds us that more often than we might ever realize, we encounter angels. You remember this verse? Hebrews chapter 13, verse two. It says, hey, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. All right, why, why, do, why, does, why does all this matter? I mean, what, what, what difference does this really make that we, to make sure we really actually see into and, and, and buy into the un, unseen realm? 
Here, here's why I think it matters for, for, for many of us today. I think many of us in this room, we are just like Elijah's servant. We find ourselves in a situation where we look at the circumstances of life. We feel afraid. We feel overwhelmed. We look at the odds of what's going on, and, 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 we're, and we feel like we have no chance. No chance. And I wonder if maybe God brought you here today because he's saying, no, open your eyes. If you just open your eyes. Because when we open our eyes to the unseen realm, it dramatically shifts our perspective. See, when we open our eyes and we realize all that's going on, it does a couple of things. It reminds us, first of all, you are not alone. God is in control. God has an army of messengers and just knowing that God can and often does send messages on our behalf for his purposes, it just, it just builds up our courage and confidence to face whatever challenges that, that life has for us. You are not alone. Open your eyes. If we open our eyes, it also redirects our fear toward faith. Suddenly everything looked different to Elisha's servants once he was able, after that prayer, to open his eyes. And I don't know what battle you're facing. It might be a relational battle. It might be a financial struggle. It might be an emotional situation. Maybe something physical. But I think what this tells us, you do not have to be afraid. And one of the things we're gonna explore as we go through this whole series is whether we realize it or not, there is a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual battle and there's a very real enemy who wants to destroy every good thing that you and the people you love are about and are trying to accomplish. And what this tells us, no, you do not have to be afraid. His message will want to come alongside you. It also tells us this too. I think opening our eyes also reveals God's purposes. See, when you put it all together, once we see the truth, the whole truth, both into the seen and the unseen world, we know, okay, we know with confidence, okay, that God is with us. And we can have faith in that. And when we know the God's with us and we have faith, we can move forward and ask God, okay, God, in confidence, what do you want me to do? Direct me towards your ultimate purposes. That's why. That's why this is so important. That's why this matters. And I'll tell you what, we, we, could, do, we, could, do five, we could do five or six weeks just on this. Let, let me make this recommendation to you. We just got the tip of the iceberg. If, if you'd like to explore this topic more, there's a terrific book I'd recommend by Scott McKnight called The Hum of Angels. Scott's a friend of mine, a friend of communities. He's a, a brilliant leading New Testament scholar. He's right here in the Chicago area at Northern Seminary. And basically, I mean, the premise of the book, while it's very grounded in Scripture, he says that when we know what to look for, when we know what to look for, we'll begin to see angels everywhere. In fact, I'll tell you, there's a, kind of a, a clever story that he tells in the book, and I'll wrap up with this. Um, He's kind of into bird watching, and, um, and he likes birds. And he tells about a time where he visited a bird supply store. And he mentioned, the order, mentioned to the shop owner that he had a hummingbird feeder. And he had this hummingbird feeder in his backyard, but, but, he, but he never sees hummingbirds. And he was pretty sure there just weren't any hummingbirds around. And so the shop owner said, well, where do you live? And McKnight told him where he lived. And he said, oh, no, 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 you, there's, there's all kinds of hummingbirds all over your village. And then the shop owner said, you just don't have eyes to see them. But once you do, you'll see them everywhere. And the shop owner began to explain to him, 
Here's how you spot these fast-darting little birds. McKnight went home, he filled up his hummingbird feeder, and he said, it's like now I see them all over the place. At the conclusion, he pulls it together and he says, the hum of angels surrounds us. We just need ears to hear and eyes to see. As we start this series, here's what I want to do. I just want to leave you with this challenge, okay? I want to challenge you to pray this simple yet daring prayer. Open my eyes, Lord, so that I may see. I mean, there's, there's some of us in this room who maybe said, you know, angels, eh, I don't know. Let me challenge you with this, okay? What do you have to lose? Just this week, begin to pray this prayer over and over again. Open my eyes, Lord, so that I may see. Because guess what? I mean, maybe something will show up. And if that does show up, guess what? There's something brand new in your life that you never knew you'd ever experience. You got nothing to lose. Some of you are kind of like, eh, maybe. Same thing. Will you dare to pray this prayer? Open my eyes, Lord, so that I may see. And I'll tell you what, even those of us like myself, the 72% are like, yeah, I believe in angels. But you know what? My Monday through Sunday, I don't think I walk nearly with an awareness that there's more going on than what I see in the seen realm. That there's really more going on and that God's at work in that way. And I think if I begin to pray this prayer, I think God will open my eyes and it'll remind me over and over and over again, I'm not alone. I don't have to be afraid. I can walk in faith. And when you know you're not alone and you're walking in faith, I mean, you're always walking in, in God's purposes. Will you do that? That's the challenge. Just this week, over and over again, open my eyes, Lord, so that I may see. I'm gonna give you just a few moments right now just to begin to pray that prayer. So if you want, you can just bow your head or whatever is comfortable to you. And just um, right now say to God as we begin this series together as a church family, Open my eyes, Lord, to see all that you have for me. Help me to see. Father God, we, uh, we come to you at a variety of places in our own spiritual journey. Some of us with uh, complete confidence, some of us confused, and some of us with tremendous amounts of skepticism. But probably all of us curious. And Lord, we thank you that you're the kind of God that no matter where we are spiritually, we can humbly approach you with this kind of a prayer. And so we do both individually and as a whole church, we just come to you and we say, you know, open our eyes that we may see. That we may see that you're at work in ways that go way beyond our understanding. That you're with us. 
that we don't have to be afraid that you're for us and that you want to direct us in your purposes. Lord, I ask that you open our eyes that we may see. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.